Welcome to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Holy buckets. Here we go again. Uh, it's, we've, we're back on the horse. We've got the reins this time. So n- no surprises, no takeovers. And uh, got BJ Ike to talk to back on the show. Uh, very interesting topics uh, that we discuss about photography and Photoshop. Stuff we've talked about before, but at a different perspective. Kind of yeah. like it. This is this is real good. I there's a lot of lot of things to take away from this episode, and there's also a lot of things that you could take away by tuning in to Walton Webcasting live. Uh huh. Go to their Facebook page so that you can tune in and take in all of the incredible livestock that are being shown. Hello, livestock are being shown. So that's good. Uh, Walton Webcasting, an incredible partner of Stock Talk Podcasts pretty much since the inception. And some folks that we think you should get connected with. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, there is a part-time position open at yes, Walton. I did see that. So, so if you are interested in hitting the road, possibly with Greg and the rest of the Walton Webcasting crew, um, Submit your resume. Uh, I think if you just go to their Facebook page, you could check that out. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, heck, I might even do it. I don't know. Yeah. Why not, man? That is a very fun crew to hang out with. I'm just telling you. Yes. Um, well, what about livestock like you've never seen before? Yesterday, they were videoing some some horses, so it's exciting stuff. Huh. Uh, now, yeah. I don't, I'm not so sure where you buy a horse, but I do know where you buy your show cattle and your show pigs at, and that is showpig.com show cattle connection. We've been promoting this for months, nearly a year, probably over a year. And it's true. Um, I've been doing some just kind of market searching. And by that, I mean, I go on showpig.com and see who's having a sale and what they're out of and all that. And then I'll go to other platforms and it's just not as smooth, not as user friendly as showpig.com and show cattle connection. So all I'm saying is the world is open. You can choose whichever, but showpig.com show cattle connection is the easiest way to use when you're selling and or buying. So uh, there are sales literally every day other than the weekends sometimes, uh, but that's the place to go. Rather you're on the show, show pig world, show cattle world, showpig.com show cattle connection. I love the seasons of life. But sales season has to be one of my favorites. Oh, yes. I agree. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, uh, and before well, we get to hats off, I do want to say yeah. that we have an exciting adventure that we're a part of. Yes. Very, very, very exciting adventure. So here's what's happening, folks. Starting Thursday, which is tomorrow, we're just giving you a day's notice. This is... Unlike any other virtual event that you've seen, Prina Honor Show Team is having the Feed Greatness Show Camp. Now, Corey, what does this mean for our listeners and those who need to be understanding what the Prina Honor Show Feed Greatness Show Camp is? Folks, 
this has been a conversation going on for, for several months now. And you want to talk about an opportunity uh, for new show, show families, uh, for experienced show families uh, that is unlike, Trevor said, unlike anything that has been seen yet in the virtual cyber stock show space. This is a new opportunity to learn from Purina's livestock show experts during the first ever show feedback camp. And this is in partnership with us here at Stock Talk and Walton Webcasting. So here's how it works. Record a video of your show animal. Submit that video of the show animal by visiting Purina's social media pages, and there will be a link there. We will also have a link on our socials as well. And then you could watch that live on August 4th to receive nutrition and management advice from the team of Purina to prepare for your next show. And if you uh, don't recognize the names uh, of, of the guys that will be involved there with the Purina team, uh, I will be shocked. And we're really looking forward to that event. It's going to be awesome. I, I mean, you want to talk about gearing up for state fairs, gearing up for these these fall shows that are coming up, um, there, and even some of these later county fairs. Uh, folks, this is going to be a really, really neat event uh, from that standpoint. And the best part is it's going to be on Walton, and the great people at Purina are going to be submitting uh, answers to questions and giving uh, nutrition and management advice, uh, some of the best in the business. And, and we couldn't be prouder to be working with, with those folks. Yeah. I wish I had this deal when I was showing, I'm just saying, this is incredible. Good opportunity. Neat. Pretty neat. Share for, for you, the folks that are listening out there and, and it doesn't matter whether you feed Purina or not. And that's the beautiful thing is, is they, they truly care about the youth exhibitors and, and these show families uh, that are out here trying to continue to learn and get better. And there's no better way to do that uh, in this time with those kind of experts uh, than this, this offering that they're giving to us. That is true. Very, very so, true. Trevor, remind us when the entries go live. Entries go live tomorrow, folks. That's the 23rd of July. And make sure you submit them. Find the socials. They're all out there. But then it's going to be open for, I, I think we said, a full 10 days. Full 10 days, something like that. Uh, there's going to be great prizes, um, great great advice, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Trevor and I are going to go up to Walton. Oh, here we go. Uh, Entries close Thursday the 30th. So, yes, you have a full week, actually. Yeah, full week. Full week, which giving you a weekend. Giving you a weekend, that ought to be good. Yeah. Uh, and, and weather right now has not been frightful. Yeah, so that good stuff. <laughs> and then we're going live August fourth. Good stuff. Good August. Yep. All right. Who wants to go first? You want to go first? You want me to go first? Because it's time for hats off. And of course, hats go, hats off. Always goods off first to our sponsors, and one of which is Fierce Threads. Um, mm. Incredible pullovers. You can always. Any time of year, good for a pullover or a hat, of course. Big Paul Lifestyle, uh, they have now have almost every breed, every major breed, I should say, of pig. Uh, they have cruising. They have the Don't Be uh, Burke Used the Jerk shirt, the belt, all kinds of cool stuff. Don't be a Burke Paul. Used the Jerk. 
You mean don't be a jerk, uh, use the burk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't want to don't want to use the jerk. We want to use the burk. Yeah, be nice. They also have that one. Be nice, yeah. <laughs> so, uh anyways, who's going first? Um, I'm going to throw it to you. All right. I can't wait for this. This week, you're you're not going to believe this, Corey. It it goes off to a very specific person here in Ohio that I don't even know. Um, but I was on my way to a family's house to look at their show pigs and I turned around a curve and I about decapitated an ostrich so this an week o- an ostrich but a two-legged oversized bird right yes that yeah looks like a dinosaur that one um, so this week my hat goes off to the ostrich farmer here in Ohio that's just grinding it out trying to make a dollar of I don't know if it's ostrich skin ostrich Dude, eggs hey, an ostrich egg costs like 30 bucks yeah, so I don't know anything about him, but I about decapitated it because I came around this curve and he was like sticking his head out over the fence. I looked back and there was like a whole flock of ostrich up on a hill. So my hat this week goes off to the ostrich farmer here in Ohio. How about that? Wow. Um, that was completely unexpected. <laughs> completely unexpected. Uh Wow. Okay. Uh, this week, my hat goes off to Dasani. Really? Uh, you know, probably probably not my favorite like brand of water. However, that seems to be the most popular while judging shows. Oh, I see uh, where you're going with this, folks. Uh, it's been hot last four days in a row. I. I I, I did shows and uh, yeah. If it wasn't for companies like Dasani keeping us hydrated in times like this, especially guys like me who are a little bit poor in terms of condition, <laughs> uh, I sweat those things out as fast as I drink them. And so, um, thank you to those great companies bottling water to keep us livestock evaluators hydrated. Boy, that's a good thank one. You. Yeah, very good one. Yep, hats off. Hats off. Love our folks at Fierce Threads. Go get you some stuff. Fierce-threads.com. Big Paul Lifestyle Company. Yep. Well, pull that hat down tight because we're about ready to jump on to an incredible interview with a guy that's been on the show before briefly, very briefly, and it's been a little over a year. We're talking about somebody who has truly made their mark uh, in the industry and found a way to help people get better across all platforms from learn livestock photography.com herd mark and other great adventures please welcome to the podcast mr bj ike Corey, we have another repeat guest Folks are going to remember this name back about a year ago, actually a little over a year ago. We got BJ Ike back on, and uh, we touched a little bit. Uh, He was with a group there at the exposition last year, but now we're going to dig on to other topics, dive a little bit deeper into a lot of other things. So, BJ, we appreciate you getting back on the show. And, of course, like we like to do with the rest of them, I know 
A lot of people know you for your photography skills, but just give us a little background about yourself and where you're from and what you do. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it uh, and enjoy listening to your show. Um, the uh, I grew up on a purebred Hampshire hog farm in Worcester, Ohio, which is actually where I live now with my wife, Marlene. In fact, I live in the house that I grew up in, which is kind of fun. And um, um, so I, I live on the family farm. We don't have hogs anymore. But um, uh, my wife and I have a photography and video production business that builds content for brands in agriculture. Very cool. Uh, I've yeah, it's kind of fun. Uh, I'm going to tell this story and then we're going to talk about what that uh, production organization you've developed really is. But if you date back to uh, 2000 and Oh, I want to say 10 Are we talking or 12 white, white sunglasses and flat bill backwards hat wearing Kirkpatrick. Or? Well, see, this was at the state fair. So I had to, <laughs> to change. I had to be a chameleon and blend into my environment. So I wasn't that uh, in the state fair, but, um, we had a very cool showmanship gig at the Ohio state fair. And all of us in Fayette County won the, won a class in the senior division and then we got approached by a couple that had some cameras and some cool stuff. And they wanted to interview us about this cool story. And that was BJ Marlene. And that was, I don't know what it was then, but that was kind of, I think, the start of what is now Herdmark. But you were going to take an avenue and, and make some content. So if you have, if you get really bored, listeners, uh, YouTube, Trevor Kirkpatrick, and that's one of, the videos you'll see is is from uh, BJ and his wife Marlene. Final so Drive TV. That, there you go. Final Drive TV. I couldn't remember what it was exactly, but yeah, laugh about it yeah. all the time. So if you want to get a good laugh and uh, support a really cool video, that was <laughs> that was what that was. So, anyways, I tell that story uh, because now that's kind of evolved. Uh, from what I'm guessing, is herd mark. So. Um, you, you just touched on it. Let's talk about what it is and how's it get it. How'd you get your start and, and why is it different from any other media company? Well, I, I think that it's so interesting. You brought that up because I'm getting to the age where there are things that I did that I, to get here that I don't remember. And <laughs> that would, that's almost one of them, but I can remember that video clear as a bell. Now the, um, uh, I think that um, the evolution of my career has been interesting. You know, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an ag teacher and I went to college and I started in ag ed and I found out that maybe that wasn't going to be for me. And uh, at that time I was, you know, 1920 and got really interested in show livestock and uh, thought, you know, I would really enjoy doing that and, raising livestock and and so i went to oklahoma state and uh studied animal science and i was going to be a herdsman for somebody i really wanted to uh i couldn't run my own animals but if i could run somebody else's you know that was really interesting to me and uh so i actually 
got out of college and started doing that for somebody at a temporary job. And, and I found out, well, there are some things that are good and bad about this too. And uh, maybe I'll try association work. So I worked for the American Maine Anjou Association for a couple of years as their junior, junior director. And uh, while I was there, I got really into the marketing of the cattle and the auctions and going to sales. And um, uh, I started taking pictures while I, for the Maine Anjou Voice when I worked there. And we had a camera in the office and occasionally we would need to work on getting cover photos. And I would go out and take pictures uh, to use for the cover. And um I just really enjoyed that process of capturing the photographs, uh, especially those artistic ones that we were using for the covers of the voice. And I decided that I could jump into business for myself uh, if I could put enough pieces together. And so I um, had done internships for Kevin Went when I was in college with showpig.com. And so I was able to do a little work for Kevin and Kevin introduced me to a guy by the name of Craig Ryder, who is a sale manager. And um, and I did some work for Craig and I managed a few sales on my own cattle sales. And then um, I also carried with me this photography idea and I bought an expensive camera and lens or it was expensive at the time and and all I could afford. And I went out and started taking pictures of animals and by doing all those things I kind of was able to keep my lights on I think the first year that I was self-employed my gross was like eight thousand dollars or something it was very little income that I made at the time but uh but I was able to start raising some hogs and uh cattle and do all these put all these pieces together and make a living of it and eventually what took off was the cattle photography and um um it was i had been working at it for probably three years and getting a little bit better each time i got the opportunity to take a few pictures and um and a, a big time photographer canceled on one of their clients and that client just happened to have a national champion heifer in their sale that year and so I got to take this uh photograph and uh of that heifer and then all of her relation that was in the sale and it was a really great sale and and it was like that was the moment of overnight success for my livestock photography business because that was such a good set of pictures that then I was I was in demand, and if that other person had had showed up, I never would have got that shot. So yeah. it was it was kind of cool. Um, but in that livestock photography business, for me, the summer was always a lull time, and that's so the summer Marlene and I would always try to find out something else we could start, or another business we could start, or another way we could make money because. We had gotten married by then and we weren't making very much money. And and so we were always trying to find something else, especially to fill that summer gap. And that's when we started. Um, uh, we started a website called Calf Chasers, where we ran around and filmed 
calves that were for sale and it was kind of a one of the very first blogs about show cattle and so forth and then we started final drive tv which was kind of show reporting show results and so forth and that's where we interviewed trevor and we made a bunch of content at the ohio and indiana state fairs which i think is really still on youtube (laughs) and then um then then you know i did this cattle photography for like uh seven years and and um i started just getting a little um I hate to say this because it's such a unique and interesting job, but I started getting a little bored with taking the same picture of cows all day long. And so I would come to the ranch early and late and, and stay late and uh, started taking pictures of the farm and they would use those as their catalog covers and their, their page backgrounds and so forth. And that got to be a really fun thing for me to do. And then the uh, the Nikon D90, I think it was, came out with video built into it. And uh, I was like, I've got to, I was already filming cattle for people with the camcorder. I'm like, I got to learn how to use this video function on this camera. And so that became my thing that I just got into um, was how, what kind of new things can we create with video um what kind of and at the time like broadband access in rural areas was becoming a thing you know better cellular data was becoming a thing and and so people were going to have more access to video content and so it seemed like a good opportunity to bet on video so for a couple years we started making promo videos for the ranchers we worked for um and I just got to be more and more fun. And I could see that there was no ceiling on how far you could go with video production in uh, terms of artist, artistic um, means and so forth. And so I, I just kind of went all in on, on film production. Now, you did uh, quite a few for Heimer re- most recently. Is that correct? Yeah, we've we've done a fair amount of work for Heimer Hampshire's their videos that that your audience is probably very familiar with. Uh, we produced all of those, and um, so we'll write the scripts and uh, come up with the concept, write the scripts, storyboard everything out, uh, approve that with the client, and then we actually produce the video. So Herdmark Media is a full service uh, video production house. Yep. Cool. Now, okay, so let's let's back up to the first time uh, you know you had a camera in your hand, and you were taking pictures. Had that been an interest even before then, or did you just pick it up and say, "Hey, this is something that I need to do anyway?" And then once you started taking pictures, you're like, "Man, this is pretty cool." And is that how you kind of got got excited and passionate about it, or I don't really know. You know, I remember. When I was a little kid, my dad drove truck like cross country and he had a nice camera and he had all these pictures of these landscapes from out the dashboard of a Peterbilt, you know, and <laughs> and um, I remember looking through those pictures and I don't know what it was, whether it was that piece of equipment or whether it was 
the pictures that we could see, he'd bring them home for us to see where he'd been, you know, and, and um, I just, pictures were interesting to me. And then I guess um, in college, I bought, I used to kind of keep one of those little uh, disposable throwaway 35 millimeter cameras where you like I, up to rotate yeah. to get the next picture oh yeah yeah you pick them up at the gas station and they cost like i don't know 10 bucks and then it costs 20 dollars to have it developed and and the pictures are crappy but <laughs> like i used to keep one in my truck just to take pictures of whatever i saw and share back with my family and stuff and i took this one picture of a sunset that just by some miracle turned out cool and I, I, I would have to say that that picture of a bright red Oklahoma sunset kind of hooked me on photography. And so when I got the opportunity at the Maine Association to use their equipment and, and take some photos, it, it, it was pretty interesting to me at that time, by that time. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, obviously the, the quality of video in, in, in photography that's done now is like so far better than what it was even when I was showing and stuff. And it's just amazing the the kind of ring shots and, and backdrop pictures and video content and stuff that, that gets put out there. And, and you guys uh, did a really cool um, project last summer that voices heard that, that I'm sure folks that have listened to you, uh, and, and that crew kind of talk about, uh, last summer that was, that was pretty neat. And so in, in your experience on the video side, um, how, how much has that impacted what you guys do from a branding standpoint, like the Heimer videos and stuff like that? Are, are there more people interested in doing that now, uh, than there has been previously? I would say, you know, when we started Herdmark six years ago, companies in our space, speaking of show livestock space, were not super interested in, in video. They were maybe um, saying, yeah, this is something in the future that all this Facebook content, all this social media, con that's something that's going to happen. You know, and, and for me, that's like, this is here and now. And if you stake your claim and you make good content, you can you can command a lot of attention and so i was kind of hawking that message uh to to companies without a lot of success and and kudos to jesse heimer for for always uh trying to be ahead of the curve he he could see it too and and he's he kind of let us do what we wanted to do which was tell story, tell meaningful stories about the industry, not try to sell a product and, and share that out. And they were extremely successful. So, yeah, they were um, a standout pretty easily. Honestly, when I first saw those couple of videos, like, whoa, like this is next level thinking. Now, where do you think some of this content and stuff goes? Like, you know, six years ago, it was, you know, hey, social media is getting ready to be huge. And this is this video content is where things are going. Well, in 2020, where do you think the next step is before people? I, I guess you don't want to tell everybody, but where where is the next step, or where where do you think uh, the media and f imaging side of things is going? I think that 
in the in our industry in the show livestock industry and i i will say that the the reason that we were able to actually build a business was not because of the show livestock industry our connections in the show livestock industry introduced us to people in the bigger livestock industry who had an important message they needed to share with the people who buy our pork and our beef and and because of that we were able to build a business uh, that communicated with consumers um and if it if it weren't for that i don't know that herdmark ever would have got off of the ground mm. um but the thing that's happened in the show livestock industry that's really repeatable is we're behind the leading edges of marketing and communications and so whatever you see out there now in marketing and communications that you think is really cool but it's in a different industry it's coming to the livestock industry eventually it's just a matter of time and as time goes on that window shortens down and so what used to take 10 years for oh my gosh we see this really cool idea coming out of new york city and those ad agencies uh it's 10 years before it gets into the livestock business now it's maybe a year or two years or or there's a piece of it that we can pick off and use right today and so i think that that you can always watch those trends coming to the show livestock industry if you're willing to open up your playbook and say well what are they doing in fashion what are they doing in uh, cars what are they doing um in in food marketing so on and so forth you can always kind of see what what might be now speaking of food marketing i I pray that nobody tries to mimic a livestock or a show stock branding sales pitch like burger king did most recently (laughs) Uh, i I think if we get some some yodeling kids uh with guitars (laughs) trying trying to sell livestock uh in that manner we're not gonna be on the right track uh if nobody knows what i'm talking about uh burger king recently came out with a horrendous ad campaign uh, about reducing methane gas in the air. Uh, it's okay. I've never, I've never seen a line at Burger King anyway. So, perfect yeah. <laughs> sucks, which is great for us. Uh, but it's it's stuff like like that though that that I think we're really behind on as far as pushing our message and maybe okay. maybe maybe pushing the envelope as far as what we do to tell our story. And that's what was so cool about the Heimer videos is they were, they are different than anything that anybody else has ever done from a marketing standpoint. And, you know, to be honest, I, I think there needs to be more of that going on to help us and help our industry tell its story so we can be just as loud as the idiots on the other side. <laughs> I think that you bring up a really good point and, and okay, this, this ad from Burger King, is supposed to uh, appeal to people and and communicate about how um, how they're doing a good job, right? But it it probably doesn't paint the best picture of the beef cattle industry, right? And so, what what do people walk away with that from? I I think that we need to recognize that. 
showing livestock. I'll, I'll stay with showing livestock. We need to recognize that showing livestock is not a right that we have. And so um, we're going to have to learn to communicate our value to the stakeholders in the animal agriculture industry. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to need to learn how to communicate their value to all the people that we touch and impact in our everyday lives. Cause most of us aren't making our entire life in the show livestock industry. Most of the families involved do something else for a living. And so they're interacting with all kinds of people who have no ag background, ag interests, so on and so forth. We need to take it upon ourselves for it to be our responsibility to communicate agriculture story to other people because that creates an immense buy-in from the overall animal ag industry to these show families and livestock shows and so on and so forth. You know, a year ago, uh, Expo was in question because of animal disease. This year, it's human disease, right? And we're seeing how quickly shows can be shut down. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the right to show these things. Uh, we we like to we like to say that this is a necessary component of of life and. F- for a lot of us, it is. For a lot of us, it this is absolutely necessary. But in the scheme of the, we have to realize where we fit in the scheme of the world. And, and we have to be able to tell that story to people. That's what our business does. I love that. Yeah. Quick break in the action, folks. Just wanted to keep you updated on what's going on at Tarbell Marketing and Design. Guys, if you've never done business with TMD, it's time to start working with Jace Tarbell. He is the leading expert when it comes to marketing, design. If you have a sale coming up, he's the one you need to get a hold of to get your graphics done. Or if you need a logo created for your new business or operation, Jace Tarbell at Tarbell Marketing and Design is the way to do it. Now, if you've never done business with him before, you're going to get 15% off with Tarbell Marketing and Design for all the new customers. He's giving 15% off if you contact him and say you've heard this ad on Stock Talk Podcast. Let's get back to the action with BJ Ike. So, so tell us about Learn Livestock, and and this is maybe a little bit newer adventure for you guys and what you're doing. Uh, what made you come up with the idea? What is the idea, um, and, and how do people join? Yeah. So, um, uh, from the beginning of Herdmark, we felt like uh, content and educational content, in particular, is at a deficit uh, for show livestock families and for the show livestock industry. So, so, you know, Herdmark has made a lot of video projects for companies like Weaver Livestock and SureChamp and others that you probably have in your barn who, to that educate families on how to use their products or how to um, um, raise a show animal, so on and so forth. But if, if you get online and you search YouTube, how to show pigs, you know, there's a few hundred videos out there. I think that there should be a few thousand and that that you should be able to get online and learn if you've never had a pig project before, 
to go how you can go purchase a pig project with confidence or how you can set up your barn uh, for success and so on and so forth. And so we've always tried to sell these projects to companies. And um, really in the midst of the pandemic, uh, we I've been thinking of doing this for a long time and haven't ever hit the go button. But when travel started getting shut down and so forth, and um, um, we were able to kind of fast track some of the ideas that we've had for online education. And so uh, we started Learn Livestock and, and in particular, learnlivestockphotography.com is, is the site we're using now where I teach how to take pictures of animals and how to take videos of animals. And so what we're building is an online educational platform for people to, to learn about uh, specific interests in the livestock business. So Very cool. So if, if folks want to get involved with that, they just, they just go to the website and, and is it a subscription platform? Is it free? Is it, you know, what the, what all goes into it? So, so right now the setup, because we're small and we're getting started is we're selling individual courses. And so the first one launched actually last fall, I think. And uh, it was a course we call the complete guide to cattle and livestock photography. And it's literally like a masterclass. If you watch every minute of this course, I will have told you everything I know about taking uh, an animal photo and specifically cattle. There are a lot of things in there that apply to other species, but, but specifically we're talking about cattle for the most part. And so it's like a masterclass on how to take cow pictures and, and other animal pictures. Um, and so you buy the course and you own it for life and uh, you can watch it on demand anytime that you want. Um, and, and so that's how we're setting up um, consecutive courses here. And we're always adding courses. Uh, we're just finishing up uh, a new course offering that'll be coming out. So if you go to our website, learnlivestockphotography.com, you'll be able to see the offerings that, w- that we currently have on there. And I will say I've, I had the opportunity to, to look through some of those videos and they're like, I'm experienced. I would say taking baby pig photos and such, not so much the cattle, uh, but even watching those videos, there's, there's still, I had a lot of aha moments, uh, stuff that everything just kind of gets overlooked or not talked about. That's extremely important. Like how to set up your picture pin and, and on all of that, that BJ goes through, it's really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of laugh at myself because I'm one of those who got a hand-me-down, uh, Canon, uh, camera. And before I went out to, to use it for baby pig pictures, I sent BJ a few text messages like, Hey, I'm having trouble here. What do I need to do? So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you even slow down and start there. You kind of talk about the camera, what to use, how to use it. And boy, that's, that's crucial before you even step foot in the pasture. Lesson yeah, number that, one, lesson number one, take off the lens cap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't, I think I left that step out, Corey, but <laughs> I did start with getting familiar with your camera and I have this process. I teach is called walking through the modes and so that you can learn the different pieces of an exposure and how you control them and 
and you kind of build up to your ability to to fully operate your camera and uh it's kind of um fun to have watched this first crop of students grow over the course of of taking this um taking this class and uh and then talking to them and answering their questions and so forth it, i really have always enjoyed teaching you know i said i started out wanting to be an ag teacher and and so teaching has kind of come full circle through this as well and um yeah so we teach every every component of how to take a photo and i think there are lots of places out there where you can go to learn how to take a picture right there are lots of 29 dollars classes free youtube videos um uh, and those are great in a lot of ways i learned through those but what i did is i pieced all of that together for you and then it's taught by somebody who actually knows livestock and knows what to do and how to handle them and how to get them to do what you want them to do. And so I feel like this course and the courses that we offer take that camera knowledge that and apply it back to what you actually want to accomplish when you're taking an image. And, and so I think that's the thing that we can offer that's, that's unique. That is very unique actually. If, if you listeners think about that, most of the YouTube videos you watch are taking photos of something still, um, whether it be, you know, a pair of shoes or, you know, a sunset, whatever. Uh, it's not livestock running across the picture pen or it's not a baby pig fighting its way out or whatever. Um, <laughs> and when you when you have that livestock knowledge, when you when you're listening to someone that has livestock knowledge, I should say, it becomes important uh, how things are set up, and that's where, like you just said, that's where you differ from the common YouTube how-to, um, because you're you're learning from an expert that knows about livestock already. So that is a, a very very interesting course. Now, one more time, kind of tell the listeners what it is and how to get to it. Yeah. So. Uh, we, uh, learn livestock photography.com. Uh, we have, um, uh, a growing offering of courses and different ways to purchase, but, um, you can check it all out there. Uh, new releases that are coming, uh, as of the time of this episode are, um, uh, we're going to run our complete guide to cattle and livestock photography again, which is the livestock photography masterclass. I teach everything I know. Um, the, uh, uh, creating professional livestock videos, which I think is going to become more and more important for people of all species here. Uh, we finally got that course put together and it, it will be available as well. And it teaches you how to, uh, how to film livestock, whether you are, um, uh, sending videos, uh, uh, well, really for people who are making videos of animals that are for sale is really the folks that we're talking to in that. But anybody who needs to film an animal will learn from that course. Uh, we have another course that's out uh, that we started when the show started shutting down. We have a course about how to take videos for an online show huh. uh, that is available on uh, on on uh, the site <clears throat> as well. And uh, and we're hoping to continue now that we have those core products ready 
we're hoping to continue to add to it with maybe introductory courses, 101s, uh, more getting started kind of kind of material for folks. And we'd love to hear from you guys what you want too, and that because that's obviously what we want to build for you. There you Absolutely. go. If you have any suggestions or ideas for learned livestock photography, shoot it to the Stock Talk page, and we'll relay the information to BJ. Appreciate it. Well, uh, no surprise, but let's break it down a little further. Brought to you by Brad Howe Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. Guys, it's time to get you a new truck to pull into that next show, and they're the folks to do it. Uh, even if mom needs a new SUV, Brad Howe Ford's the place to go. They're Kokomo, Indiana. They will put you in the right direction with their award-winning customer service. Brad Howe Ford sponsors the breakdown. This time, we are going to break down photography. And something we've been talking about this whole episode, but I want to kind of go a little deeper. Uh, and I guess this could be a glimpse to what Learn Livestock Photography is um, but everybody if they're able can go purchase an expensive camera and expensive lens now what i want to break down is it's not just that and what all goes into getting that right shot and better yet how do you use the expensive camera you just bought that's uh that's a great question the um a, a camera is a tool Right. My dad now is a builder and um, uh, he has a truck full of tools. Well, he could give me that truck full of tools and I can't make you a house. I, I could make you something that looked like a house <laughs> or resembled a house or or was similar to a house. But I can't build a house. Right. And so learning to be a photographer is learning a craft. Right. It's a learning um an art and and so i could give you um my camera and you would produce a different result with it than i would and i could give an experienced photographer my camera and they would produce a different result than i would and so learning photography is about uh uh learning how to use the tool and then learning how to use the tool to create the image that's in your mind's eye. Mm. I think that livestock photography is as much animal handling and animal evaluation as it is camera operation. Mm. And so when one runs in the picture pen and you can evaluate what that animal looks like, you understand how you might set that animal in order to make it look its best. Mm. And then you also have to know how to get it to do that and how to um, make your camera make the exposure that you want. So there are a lot of components to break down in, uh, in the photography um, and, and my, um, I guess my recommendation to people is always Start with a camera that you can afford and a lens that you can afford, uh, even if that means used. Used cameras are a really good buy. Um, anything digital, if you know if you know what you're looking at, uh, can usually be bought cheap. It depreciates uh, very quickly. 
because there's always new models coming out. And so uh, I recommend a lot of people uh, to buy used camera equipment because you can buy better used equipment than you can new for the same dollar. And, um, uh, and so I think getting started with that camera is about uh, starting to understand how you make an exposure and getting into the art of photography. If you do that and use that as your foundation, I think that, that you'll be very successful as a photographer. If, and the alternative is you don't care about photography, but you care immensely about animals. Put that thing on auto and get to work. There you yeah, go. <laughs> I, exactly what I did when we were picturing sheep this spring. Uh, I, I had no idea what I was doing with uh, my mom's camera. I said, just like, I know the angle and the shot and exactly how I want them posed and this, that, and the other, but I've got no idea how to adjust the lighting right or do this or that. And I said, she said, just click, click this setting to auto and you'll be fine. And That's right. that, was, cameras, that was the best advice I got. <laughs> cameras today are smarter than ever. And I encourage people like one of the steps I teach in the courses put that thing on automatic and let the camera do the work while you get comfortable with all those other components of your job that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And, and um, when you get comfortable with those components, uh, the last thing that you need in the picture pen, especially with cattle, which are big and sometimes dangerous animals is um, to be trying to figure out how to get the exposure right on the picture while they finally got that cow posed where you want her. Um, um, so it, put that thing on auto and rock and roll. You'll, you'll get a lot of miles under your belt. There you go. Awesome. Well, um, maybe something for, for folks to know too is in every, every livestock photographer, we've interviewed several, um, several very prominent names in the industry. And, and, you know, I, I guess one of the questions we never really asked anybody, uh, from a photography and, and even videography standpoint, because like you said, uh, BJ, I, I think these videos have become more valuable, not just to producers, but mostly to buyers, uh, yeah. folks that, that can't get the miles uh, on the road to go and see those things in person, getting a quality video is just as important, but you know, it seems like a lot of things uh, operate at least around the, uh, the edge ranch with, with just a cell phone camera. And sometimes that works just fine uh, for getting a quick video and stuff like that. But um, I, I feel very confident too, that uh, these online sales and, and other marketing tactics that we use to sell show stock are going to become uh, that much more, you know, you got to become that much better at your job to differentiate, differentiate yourself from others as far as a, from a marketing standpoint goes. And we're going to have to take, my guess is a lot more video than we ever have been. So from that standpoint, what are some recommendations on the video side that you would have um, just for our audience to give them a little taste of what they can get if they do decide to, uh, to purchase a, a course from Learn Livestock? Sure. Um... I agree completely, Corey, that video is going to become more and more a part of marketing our livestock and giving buyers the confidence they need in the animals to purchase them, uh, it, it, by and large, without seeing them in person, right? And so um, 
I look at the process of buying as you have to align photography of livestock with the process of buying. So what's a photo do you, that gets the buyer's attention, right? A great photo makes them want to know more. Uh, it's intriguing. Once you have their attention, um, then they'll go look for more information. They may want to know the pedigree, but they really want to see a video. And because they really want to see if that animal is as good as it looks in this picture, right? So a video is like confirmation. Once they go through that step and confirm that the animal is just as good as it looked in its picture, they're going to confirm the other information. Is it a pedigree I want? Is it this or that? Now they're wanting to come look at it, right? And when they come look at it, it better look better than it did in its video, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so all the while, all the while through this process, you're building confidence. You're building the confidence of the buyer to ultimately make the purchase. And so I think that's the role that video plays is kind of increasing the confidence level of your buyer. So then, um, then uh, once they decide to buy, you know, then, then, then you have to back that up and the animal has to perform the way that you said it would. So uh, I think that's a big part of it. And video will continue to be uh, a bigger and bigger part of it. I think uh, many people, especially with small livestock, can get started with uh, their phones. The hardest part of making video with your phones is getting it off of it onto a computer to edit it. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's not that difficult. So um, I, I think that um, you can get a taste for uh, what's it like to capture video, what's it like to edit video, uh, just by using the phone that you, that you already own. And, and that'll give you a good taste of this is something we think we can tackle with 20 head or 50 head or 100 head that we have to sell on our farm. A big thing, if you learn to do this for yourself, if you're a breeder, you know, you're, 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 you're probably saving money. Um, um, and maybe you still want to use a professional. A professional is always worth the money. But um, um when there are times when you can't get them or can't afford them because you have just a few head or whatever. And, and in those times I would recommend kind of experimenting uh, with the equipment that you already own to, to try to make those videos. Oh yeah. Strike a pose. Corey, we know a lot of amazing photographers in this industry. We're having this conversation with one right now, but another one that we have grown to love Heidi Anderson and Charles Anderson at Legacy Livestock Imaging is absolutely incredible. Not only are they experienced livestock people that can get a sale catalog set up with amazing photos, but they also do weddings. They do senior photos. They're traveling the country all over to travel to the next livestock event, and they can come to yours as long as you book in advance at LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Guys, if you search their gallery of amazing prints. You can have any of those hung up in your house. Oh, they're incredible. LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Let's get back to the story with BJ Ike. Well, another well, thing uh, we'll dig into is uh, we've touched on this a couple times, but it, it never gets old because there's a lot of different uh, thoughts and um, opinions about Photoshop. 
and not just the Photoshop itself, but the Photoshop ethics and the person running it. So uh, we'll just open the floor up to that. Um, and I kind of want to dig into the sa- some of the things that need to be said that aren't easy to say sometimes when it comes to running um, photography and editing as such. Yeah, I, it's a great topic and, and I love to talk about it. We have a whole module of our, of our livestock photography course dedicated to this topic, the ethics part. Um, and I think I can't, I can't answer this question honestly without telling my story, which is this. When I started taking livestock photos, you know, um, um, I was following photographers in a lot of cases who were uh, taking out the entire background, cutting the animal off the background, putting on a new background. Uh, some uh, some people would uh, cut out parts of the animal and move them and place them back on in a different position to raise a head, change a neck, change a hip, you name it. Uh, all of that stuff could be done and was done. And, and so I, being a young person, um, did the things I thought I needed to do to be successful. And so I learned how to do all the tricks and I could, uh, I did it very poorly and then got better, just like with any skill that you learn. And, and, um, um, eventually figured out different tools inside of Photoshop that would let me do different things easier. In that process, I learned how to become a good photographer because I learned that it takes way more time to change something in Photoshop than it does to have it right in the camera. Yeah. And so I started changing the pen layouts. When I started taking photography or taking cattle photos, people were setting up these tiny pens because the photographers that I was following had always used tiny pens. Uh, and I figured out, well, if we have a big pen, then I can move the cow off the background and move myself off the cow. And then I can make the lens blur that background. And I don't have to do that in Photoshop. And then I don't have to change a background in Photoshop. And so I just got more and more particular about how are we going to make sure that the cam- the picture comes out of the camera the way we want it to look instead of saying, oh, that's good. We can ch- fix that in post, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fixing it in post is like the most expensive time consuming thing you could ever do. Uh, and, and, uh, what has happened is the tools inside of Photoshop have evolved and, and more and more people know how to use them. And so there are tools that allow you to quickly and easily change different things about an animal and it's confirmation it's it's literally one click to make one have a bigger belly or a bigger butt or a tighter neck or tighter throat latch or a straighter top line if you know how to do it you can do it without anyone ever knowing that you touched it and so what happens is a photographer is you get more and more pressure all the time for your photos to look the best and for your photos to look the best they have to have good animals in them because having a great animal is actually the foundation of having a great picture. Uh, the great ones make it easy. Um, and so what happened to me was I was kind of like under this pressure and felt like I always had to make them look better and better. And, and, and so I did, I did what I thought I had to do to get paid. 
And then one day I got to take this really exceptional uh, set of cows of photographs in Texas. And a cow came in there that was the biggest legged, biggest bodied, biggest hipped freak show that I have ever seen in my entire life. And I took that photograph and it was a good photo. And I thought, well, what can I do to her? <laughs> I, I can't do anything to her, right? That adds value to the animal. And if I do change her, what have I done? I, what have I done by changing all the animals that came before this? I cheated this guy, this guy who actually made one this good, who actually played the long game and did the things that needed done to raise one that was actually good enough and, and actually exceptional, not just exceptional in her photograph by changing all the animals that came before her that I had changed, I, I, I totally screwed that guy. Right. Cause he legit made a great one. And that day that I took that cow's picture, I was like, this, this has gone too far. I don't, I don't uh, like, like where this is headed. And I wanted to make all of my pictures a hundred percent natural so i pushed in that direction as hard as i could um um and then i found out that maybe that line isn't as clear as we would all like it to be mm -hmm. because um um you know sometimes a great one comes in and she doesn't pose the best or sometimes um things come up uh her tail head wasn't clipped right or 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 uh, she was a bear in the shoot and so they couldn't get that work done the way they wanted to or you name it there are reasons that we need to use photoshop and so what became the thing for me is that that photograph is a documentation of that animal not a representation of the animal the photograph should should uh, accurately represent the animal not somewhat represent the animal and so when you take a picture, it should be impressive. But when you come see that animal, you should be more impressed. Yep. And if you aren't more impressed when you get there, then I, then I did something wrong. Now, that said, sometimes a bad animal will make a great picture. They'll take a good pose. Nothing will take a great picture like a skinny, good-legged one. Right? <laughs> and so you get a skinny, good-legged one, good build, they'll take a phenomenal photo. Um, but you show up and you're not as impressed because they don't have the dimension that you think that's not cheating. That can happen without Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you just have to, you just have to find the lines for yourself and what you find over time, what you will find is that, um, this is a long game, right? And if people are showing up to your sale or your farm and they're disappointed in what they see, they're not coming back. So you better play the long game and represent your animals for what they really are and, and document them as they really are and, and build better animals over time. If you commit to that, then, then uh, that'll pay off. But it'll cost you $2 to make a quick buck. Yeah. The uh, the quick buck comment there at the end that's uh, that's something I think as as a young person as a young 
livestock breeder. Um, that that's the most frustrating. Uh, and, and I know, I know there's people out there that are twice my age that are still, uh, not where they want to be in a breeding program or, or they've, they've built to a certain level that, you know, they're still not satisfied with. And, and I, I don't think we ever probably do get satisfied at any point in time when making livestock, but the, the concept of boy, Photoshop can really make you look good in a hurry. Um, you know, from the standpoint of just making an average one look elite or, or whatever it is, um, is it worth it? You know, is it worth the the time and effort? And, and from an advertising perspective, you look real good online. That's for sure. But how many times are you going to, going to do that to get to a point where it's, it, it's, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you realize maybe you don't have to work as hard in your breeding program. If you can, just manufacture one uh, on the lens or, or on a camera. So that's something that I think, you know, and, and I'm no, this isn't uh, pointed at any particular situation, but I feel like this is a topic of conversation that's been brought up, you know, more recently uh, on a larger level um, uh, across several different species and something that I think uh, we really should address as an industry. And, and how do you, you know, I, I think there's a lot of photographers that are, are in your position, BJ, as far as um, knowing that there's lots of pressure coming down on you to get the right shot, the right picture, uh, to be able to help those folks market and sell their livestock. Uh, on the other flip side of that is um, there's also a lot of pressure on you from the other side uh, that people do call people out when that stuff happens, uh, when, when a severe Photoshop job is done. And how, how do we, as an industry combat that, that side of it to where, you know, we need to be making sure people are representing stuff as honest as they can. I, uh, as a photographer, I think that you need to be conscious of how well you're sleeping. (laughs) How, how well are you, how good do you feel about yourself when you deliver a set of photos? Do you feel like like that's what those animals look like because you don't own them and you don't gain anything from them bringing more money right maybe you get invited back next year um uh photographers get nothing extra for adding the extras and it's not a part of your job to make the animals look better than they are and anyone who tells you such you should inform them that they're incorrect right your job is to take a picture of an animal not to make an animal through a photograph it if you want a truly great picture it takes a great animal that's been uh, extremely well fed and cared for that is extremely well fit you need to set up a great area to take those pictures in and present the animals in that area as best that you can and you need to operate your camera and take a technically good image and then you need to put it in to the computer and touch up the things that after you've done all that work still aren't quite where you need them to be and and what photoshop is as a tool and it's a tool that should be used as as a touch-up it's become 
over the years at times and by many different people as they cycle through their photography careers a crutch right and a way to uh, make things happen quicker um, um, but here here's at the end of the day where I land if you make me choose between sitting behind my computer and standing in a picture pen I choose picture pen every single time I might as well get it right in there and and crop and deliver my photos without without a lot of extra work yep so great point yeah i mean it is exciting to take pictures of the great ones those freak shows they just kind of walk in front of you and make your job easy uh but that's 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 fascinating because you know even baby pig pictures like i'm familiar with you take shavings off their butt or maybe they have the little uh manure smear on their side or something like that my opinion it that that's just making the animal cleaner that that's a cosmetic mishap um i'm not smart enough to know how to do anything other than, other than that anyway when it comes to photoshop but honestly anything other than that as far as stretching legs to make them look a little bigger or what have you like you were talking about becomes morally concerning and you're gonna shoot yourself and sink your own sink your own ship uh, sooner than later, and I like the comment. Play the play the long game. Let's let's uh, keep relationships, and that will pay for itself year after year. So, well, with that being said, we'll uh, kind of come to a close here. I know Corey was going to ask another question, so he could stick me with the last one, but that's okay. Uh, and it's tough, but that's why we always try to compete on who which one gets the last question. So the one we have for you, BJ, is uh, which it. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned while being involved in the show stock industry? I think that I think that um, realizing this is a long game is 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 probably the most important lesson. I think that um, um, Breeding livestock is a long-term investment. Being involved in the livestock industry is a is a long-term commitment, and and that's why it becomes such a way of life for so many of us. And I believe that um, there, are, I believe that you know there are lots of people out there who are in this for the right reasons and who are driven to make better livestock, to make better meat, to make um, uh, animals more productive, to make animals um, that are more elite and, and more attractive to look at and more competitive in the show ring. And all of those things have a place in the world, but no matter what you want to accomplish, that if you want to do it well, it's going to be a long game. And a long game is not, um, you know, two years to get the first calf on the ground or, 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 uh, you know, four months to get the next litter of pigs. A long game is years and years and years of work built on top of each other. And you can screw up like I did. I told the story of my screw ups uh, of my you know photoshop stuff here you can screw up and and still keep going it's a it's a long game 
And so you have to have respect for for that and to be willing to play a long game because I have had a lot of conversations and been in a lot of situations where people were trying to to make that quick buck or to um, uh, one up someone or um, do things that are ego driven, right? Um, and those things don't pay off. I think that we have to watch in, in this show stock business that we don't allow our egos to drive ourselves. We get so focused on the win and the elite one and the best one that that sometimes that becomes a driver and we forget to focus on the kids and what they're learning and what they're experiencing in the environments of the shows. And we sometimes um, get so focused on, on that purple banner that's the epitome of, of success that our, that our our ego is driving everything and the older I get the more I realize that that shouldn't be our driver right our, our ego shouldn't be our driver competition is good we learn a lot from competition but it's a long game and we learn so much more by playing the game and learning to play the game well as a stockman as as a person who has respect for um the good and the bad animals just as much as they have respect for the good in the great animals and understanding how um how you can get better over time it's just one little step at a time so mm -hmm. i don't know that wasn't that was kind of a rambling answer but that's a good one though. That, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to be learned by 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 playing the long game and having respect for everybody's different niches and places in the industry and and how we can all work together to accomplish a a greater goal. Mm. Could not agree more. Um and sometimes as a, again, I kind of revert back to the young stockman, the young person in the industry, it, it is very difficult uh, to stand and look at your mentors and, and the people ha that are on top of the map success. Um, and you're like, man, I want to be there. Um, what's the quickest path? And sometimes uh, the quickest path is a path of destruction instead of a a path that's well worth the sweat and the hard work it takes to get there. And, and it is tough. Um, I, I go through waves of that every day uh, of just wanting to be there and um, it, it could be frustrating, but again, uh, BJ, I mean, we talk to guys like you and, and, and that that's the motivator right there to keep pushing because it's recognizing that at the end, the people that have, have been successful it didn't happen to them overnight um and that's really cool so 
Well, it's been a very, very good conversation, BJ. We appreciate you jumping back on. And uh, folks, go check out LearnLivestockPhotography.com. It's it's truly uh, stuff that we need to know before we actually go purchase that camera or jump into it. And BJ's a good guy to listen to when it comes to that profession. So thanks for jumping on again. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next show when we get to have them for real. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, you guys can check out Herdmark Media as well. Uh, I'm sure you guys are on all the socials already. So uh, you might as well go over and like and follow their work and their page as well. Um, they do they do awesome, awesome stuff. So uh, keep listening and uh, really appreciate the time, BJ. You bet. Thanks, guys. So we told you in the intro that this still would be interesting. And I've known BJ for quite a while. I had to reminisce a little bit, the Ohio State Fair, because that was hilarious. I always laugh every time I tell the story because it's it's still on Facebook. And if you want a good laugh yourself, go back and watch oh it. But, I got to go watch that video. Yeah. I really do. I've not seen it. But I know your your specific type of hairstyle. And pro- <laughs> I could probably picture exactly. Bangs for days. <laughs> Bangs for days. Yellow, yellow button-up shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Style and profiling. Classic, classic. Did you still show with the uh, the hula hoop back? Oh then? yeah, yep. Uh, yellow hula hoop cut in half. Oh yes, yep. The perfect bend to get under chins. Yes, nobody else had it. It was it was cool stuff. Nobody else had it. Those should be patented on the Stock Talk website. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. We're awesome. onto something here. Uh, man, what a deal. Well, um, obviously, this show would be pointless without the folks that listen to it, and so. If we are penetrating your eardrums currently, you are the person that we care about more than anything. And so thank you uh, for an awesome run here so far with the podcast. Uh, We know that there's lots of other options out there to listen to. uh, And the fact that you guys have stuck with us and tuned in and continued to listen to our content and, and so many just incredible outpours of, of praise and and handshaking and and networking that's come about because of this. We love each and every one of you. Uh, Make sure that you, if you don't already follow us on all the social medias, we're, we're very excited about some things that we have coming up in the future. So Trevor with that, I'll let you do what you do best. Oh yes. And that is so true. There is, I don't know how many podcasts now in our industry and uh, we always claim to be the original and the first, and we're proud of that, and we're also very, very, very happy uh, that we have the listeners that we do, the comments that we get, the messages that we receive, and the support system behind us. Guys, we have an incredible uh, network of companies we're working with, one of which is a new apparel line coming out very soon, and yeah, I'm just very thankful for each and every one of you. We love all of you. I know we say that every week, but it's so true. Guys, there's only seven days to the next one. And I think our sheep people are going to be pretty happy about it. Guys, we'll see you then. I got to go.